It's time for our weekly Pac-12 conversation with San Jose Mercury News reporter John Wilner. Brought to you by Simply Seattle. Our friends at SimplySeattle.com have the most amazing collection of all things Seattle. Seahawks gear, UW hats, and the largest selection of Sonics gear anywhere in the world. Learn more at SimplySeattle.com. All right, looking for anything on the website, SimplySeattle.com. Kraken gear, Mariner gear for the spring KJR15 is the code for 15% off anything at simplyseattle.com. Here he is, the Pope of the Pack from the San Jose Mercury News. Our friend John Wilner. John, I would say, how are you? And I really mean, how are you? What's the situation down there in San Jose with the weather, pal? Yeah, we got hit pretty hard with a storm over the weekend. Uh, I've been without power since uh, Sunday. Can't complain, though. I think L.A. is getting it a lot worse. Uh, wow. I saw where it's a once-in-a-thousand-year storm in L.A., so hope everyone down there is safe. But, yeah, it's been uh, it's been tough. I have not had much uh, connectivity uh, the last few days. You know, you get a snippet here and a snippet there, and I saw that the Huskies hired Belichick, so yep. I'm, I'm glad Bill is going to keep coaching. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's talk about that because they got Pete Carroll's son. They got Bill Belichick's son. I mean, I can like when when Nick Montana was here. There there were days where we'd go to practice, and Joe and Jennifer Montana were at practice at UW, taking in you know Husky football practice. I mean, we certainly could envision Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll being on campus watching Husky practice at some point together. But what does that mean for Jed Fish? What does it mean for Jed Fish to get Steve Belichick as his defensive coordinator? You know, I'm not really sure what it means. The guy's coached one place, the Patriots. He hasn't coached in college. He hasn't coached college kids. It'll be real interesting. You know, one of the things that's made the Patriots so successful over the years is they they run a complicated scheme and they draft guys that are super smart. But they also, in the NFL, you've got unlimited time to learn your game plan, right? So Steve Belichick's going to have to adjust to installing a game plan based on the amount of time college kids have to learn the system and to adjust on a week-to-week basis, right? I mean, everybody breaks the 20-hour rule, but there's at least some kind of a, a limit, whereas in the NFL, you, those guys can study you know, 20 hours a day if they want. John, it seems like every week we have multiple big sweeping stories in college athletics. We got a couple of them this week, one of them being uh, the unionization of college athletes. Is it going to be widespread, and what will be the ramifications? It's interesting, right? Because the Ivy League is like the most yeah, – it's the it's still kind of the ideal for the NCAA, right? You think of the, what the NCAA has been for all these decades. The Ivy League is the conference that is still closest to that ideal, and yet it's the one that is now going to unionize uh, and, and help change, transform the NCAA system. Uh, I think that it's, you know, it's one of many – uh, legal challenges the NCAA is facing, but the the partnership between the Big Ten and the SEC that we are now seeing is manifest itself with this advisory group. We don't know which presidents and ADs are going to be on it from the SEC and the Big Ten schools, but I can tell you that they are moving quickly right. toward basically grabbing power in college football, and one of the reasons they want to do it is because of all these lawsuits. They want to change the college system to basically keep those lawsuits at bay. Hmm. Well, I think it's a precursor to the Big Ten and the SEC just splintering off and doing their own thing. Absolutely. Don't you? Well, 
I, the the interesting piece to that is, and I agree with you in theory, but does doing their own thing does that mean Minnesota and Mississippi State are part of it, or would it be the top schools in each mm. conference, along with Notre Dame and you know Florida State, Clemson, creating, going and creating their own league? I just don't know that there's enough money in TV, and yeah. I know we can talk about the latest TV developments, but I don't know if there's enough money in TV to support, you know, a 48 or 40 or 48 school Super League, whereas, you know, 24 for sure. Right. Well, I would like to know two things. Uh, number one, when does the uh, current SEC media deal end? Because the Big Ten deal ends, I think, in 28 or 29, whatever year that is, getting close to that in a few years from now. And then number two, who are the teams in the Big Ten and who are the teams in the SEC that should feel like, all right, if there is this Super League that gets formed, we're locked in. Michigan's locked in. Alabama's locked in. Ohio State's locked in. Then there's maybe that B group of teams that maybe could go, but maybe could get left out. Then there's teams like Vanderbilt and Indiana Rutgers. and others, for example, Rutgers, that may be on the outside looking in. Where does Washington fit on that list to you? Well, the SEC deal runs through with, with ESPN, and it, I think it expires in the spring of 2034. Okay. All so right. Big Ten deal expires 20, summer 2030. Mm -hmm. Big 12 is 31. Uh, SEC is 34. ACC is 36. I think that's how it's staggered. So who makes the Super League? I, I think the Huskies will make it as long as the institution is willing to commit doing what it takes which is basically acknowledging that these guys are professionals and being comfortable with a mini nfl system if the school itself and whether it's Anna marie Cause or her successor is willing to do it i mean the huskies certainly would be wanted in that league so i think you got washington oregon usc you got minnesota uh, minnesota michigan penn state ohio state wisconsin probably michigan state makes it then you got Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, A&M, mm -hmm. Texas, Oklahoma, Notre Auburn, Dame, Auburn, Auburn yep. Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, probably Carolina. I would guess they would make it. Uh, so that's that's the core group right there. Well, how about a salary cap? Rick Pitino broached that topic this week. He said major conferences should be capped at $2 million a team for players. Is that a good idea? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know that. I, I see where he's coming from because basically, that's it's the you know it's a pro model and that's what we're moving to. Uh, I think that that's probably a little bit too radical, uh, unless there is some kind of super league. And the big issue, you know, and it's it's good you mentioned the basketball side of it, right? But the one of the big issues is. Let's say the SEC and Big Ten, the top schools, do form their own, you know, subdivision or their own Super League, and they break off football from the other, you know, 80 schools in the FBS. But what about basketball, right? Because the thing everybody in college sports wants to make sure they preserve is March Madness and the way March Madness <clears throat> is set, set up so that you have St. Peter's and Michigan, mm -hmm. right? And if they lose that – 
then they've got, I think they've got real problems. And, and everybody wants to try to come up with a system that's going to preserve March Madness, but right. it's going to be interesting how that dovetails with a, a football Super League. Well, John Wilner's with us. And, John, speaking of March Madness, this media deal that was announced today, ESPN, Fox, and Warner, which is TNT, planning on launching an all-in-one sports streaming platform this fall. So you get a lot of stuff that you get now, but then you're also going to be out a lot of stuff that you do get, CBS, NFL games college basketball games on CBS, Masters coverage on CBS, uh, NBC Sunday Night Football, Amazon Thursday Night Football, locally in Seattle, uh, baseball uh, en route, no Kraken, no Mariners on this on this platform. So there's still a lot of stuff that you would need to subscribe to to get everything that you get on cable right now. So tell me about your reaction to this proposed platform and how successful you think it'll be. Well, and you, you, that's... You also still need, like, the NBC stuff and the Peacock stuff, right? And the, the yep. Big Ten football games, right? Correct. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's like the start. We've had the cable bundle for all these years. It's kind of like the start of the streaming sports bundle. And my guess is that in a few years, you're going to have a lot of other s- streaming services within that bundle. And it will. it's certainly much more user-friendly, right, because you wouldn't have to close an app and then open another app, which everybody hates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's only a matter of time before that grows. And then we're going to get, once Apple or Amazon get all in on, on this stuff, right, they're going to basically buy ES, one of them is going to probably buy ESPN eventually. And then you'll see the Apple TV stuff in there or Amazon will be in as well. Good move or bad That's move. That's the way the whole oh. thing's going. And that yeah. gets back to... The, it gets back to whether the Pac-12's all-in deal with Apple was a bad deal for two or three years, but would have been the right deal for you know 2028, and we'll, we'll never know. Yeah, good move or bad move for Michael Penix to skip the Senior Bowl? I would say good move, and I'm looking at it with just because of his health standpoint, right? I mean, that's the big going to be the big question yep. when he gets to Indianapolis and there's going to be 32 teams poking at every muscle fiber he's got. So if I'm him, I would, I would stand on my performances in the playoffs and keep my, you know, stay away from any contact drills uh, until he gets that medical evaluation. You know, what you just said there, though, is interesting to me, John, about the Apple deal, because we've heard a lot of bitter fans, a lot of them from the east side of the state, and a lot of them from Corvallis say, you blew a golden chance to get in on the ground floor with Apple, and this is a mistake. What are you talking about? It's a mistake. Like, was there only one window to start streaming with Apple? Was there only one window to start streaming with Amazon? You're telling me that in three or four years from now, if the SEC comes calling uh, and the Big Ten comes calling, Apple's going to say no. Amazon's going to say no. Uh, if it's such an incredible deal and such a pioneering thing, then why isn't the SEC doing it right now? Mm-hmm. Why isn't the Big Ten doing it right now? So I guess I just, look, I, I agree that down the road it's going to be all streaming. Totally. But I don't understand this missed opportunity narrative that people are tossing out there. I think part of it is that you, if you have a chance to partner with what is very arguably the most influential and most creative company in the world, and they tell you we're gonna we're determined to make this work, that you make it work. But it certainly was a leap of faith, and it was a leap of faith sold by a commissioner who didn't really 
it didn't really register who he was selling it to, right? All these Pac-12 schools were burned with the promises of the Pac-12 network and with revenue projections, and here comes the commissioner trying to do it with Apple, right. and I think that fell flat. But I will say that there's a case to be made just partnering with Apple was would have been a great thing. There was going to be some a couple of rough years financially, right? but – I think, you know, I look out to, to me, it was always Apple was a bad deal for three or four years, and it would have been a great deal in years five, six, and seven, and that was too much for some of the schools. They just weren't willing to do it, and the other conferences, you know, linear exposure is, is huge. I don't know that it's as big a deal now as it was two years ago, and I don't think it's going to be as big a deal in two years as it is now. Right. But, you know, it's, it was a tough sell to a lot of schools. Well, the, but, but that's and the why commissioner should have known that. Right. That's the problem. He should have known that. He should have known who he was dealing with. And there was a complete disconnect between what he was selling and who he was selling it to. Well, I think it's, it, it's too early in the game to go exclusively streaming. All right. If exclusively streaming made sense financially, then the biggest conference on the planet would be doing it right now. And they're not in the SEC. That's what I don't get. Why not just partner with them in five years from now? Is that opportunity going to be different in five years than it was today? Are you getting some kind of a you know yeah, equity stake in Apple because you're partnering with them now versus in five years from now? Well, it was that was the only deal they had, right? They had a linear deal that was set up uh, uh, with you know it had some ESPN, it had Fox elements, uh, maybe. Uh, CBS or Turner, I'm not sure which the other one was. Uh, and then that, that fell through at the last minute. And so they were only left with Apple. That was the problem. They right. didn't have another right. choice. Yeah. The, you know, the interesting piece is I've heard from a bunch of folks that the Fox was going to bid on the Pac-12 until the last minute. And the money, basically the Fox was going to pay him $65 million mm-hmm. to show some Friday night games. And that money became what Oregon and Washington are getting from Fox. John, you might be surprised to hear this, but I thought the Husky Cougar game was awesome this weekend. I thought it was I thought it was very entertaining basketball, and I'm so emotionally devoid concerning the Husky basketball team, I didn't even mind that much who won the game. So talk to me about what you thought about that game, what it means for the Cougars' chances. I was trying to think. I can't remember the last time there was a game that had 14 lead changes and 24 oh, ties. It was I mean, fabulous. It was a great game. Absurd. Uh, but what registered with me at the end, uh, you know, from a Husky standpoint, is kind of the same old thing. What they have one possession in, in overtime where they where they made a field goal. Mm-hmm. I think they had what one field goal and two free throws in overtime, and then five wasted possessions. We've seen that too many times over the years with them. Uh, I thought that was a a big loss on a lot of levels for Mike Hopkins and his program. Right. And I, I think that like, if you're looking at the scale to me on the hot seat situation, I think it's now over 50% that they're going to make a change. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Well, what resonates with me is that they lost the damn game uh, and they got beat by Wazoo and they had 5,000 Cougar fans in the arena. And that's embarrassing. And if I'm Troy Dan and I'm certain he was there at the game on Saturday, He's looking around, John, as, a, as the new AD at Washington, going, really? This is what our basketball program is, where you got 5,000 Cougar fans booing Jed Fish when he came out to be introduced? <laughs> we can't get a freaking possession. We can't play defense on the final uh, possession of regulation. That, that had to resonate with him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to rack my brain reasons why they would not 
let him go. They owe him three million for one more year. I mean, it feels like we've been talking for years now, the three of us, about his contract, and it's too much. It's too much. Is it still too much to swallow? You think for you, Dub? I don't think it is, but I'm not the I'm not the president. Uh, and the other piece is, you know, how, how would they absorb that money uh, institutionally through the budget? Would right. they go ask their donors? Would they? Because if you go, you have an issue in college sports with donor fatigue. You're constantly going to your big donors for buyout money, for contract money, and I don't know where Washington's big donors are on the fatigue scale. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly something that they'll have to take into account if the school itself is not going to, you know, front the money, right? Because you got to. You got to pay. You're buying him out for three million, and whoever is going to replace him is going to get three, three and a half million, presumably. So it's a, it's a, you know, price price point that they're going to have to consider. But I'm with you. Going into the Big Ten, I think you need to have a change. You need to do something to kind of get a fresh start for your program to get some excitement going into this new conference. Well, from a Cougar standpoint, they're one game out of first in the Pac-12, but that might not be good enough. I mean, is this are we going to see a repeat of 2012 when you had one Pac-12 team in the NCAA tournament? I would put the over under right now at two and a half. I think you, unless Utah collapses, I think they're in pretty good shape. But Oregon, Colorado, and Washington State are really uh, on tenuous ground. The Cougars' problem is their non-conference schedule was like the worst line of a cream puffs you could imagine. <laughs> it is ranked 320th. Mm-hmm. There's 362 teams in Division One basketball. Their non-conference schedule is ranked 320th. That's a tough pill for the selection committee to swallow because that's the one piece of their schedule that they could control. Kyle Smith had he had the options and he decided to to line up that that group of opponents and that could come back to bite them they need they cannot afford any bad losses down the stretch that's for sure yeah it's too bad i mean top 40 net team you think they'd be in right but uh, we see teams all the time in the top 40 get left yeah that 40 is like that's bubble range if you're yeah. top 30 yeah. you're safe once you get to the high 30s you know then you're leaving it up to the committee you don't want to give the committee a chance to vote against you. You want to make it an airtight case, and Washington State does not have an airtight case right now. All right, man, great stuff. Uh, why don't you do us a favor? Uh, just be the first. Start putting together a list of candidates for UW. Slap in the paper. We'll tweet it out. Get you some uh, Get you some hits. Yeah, there we go. You know, well, didn't we talk about the uh, Kyle Smith as a candidate yeah. last week? Yes. We did, but I want more. I want more options, man. All right, I will give it some thought. All right, jump on it. We'll talk in a week. Thanks, See John. you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. John Wilner's with us. Coming back next segment, Super Bowl Sunday. Andy Reid at 6.05. Is Brock Purdy taking too much heat from Dick Fain and Jackson Feltz? Next on 93.3 KJRFM. This is your home for the Huskies, the Kraken, the NHL playoffs, and Super Bowl 58. Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Now back to Softy and Dick. Not bad. Not bad. Not too shabby. There's some really good stuff, actually. Very, very good. Hey, uh, coming up 605-ish or so, Andy Reid, uh, coach of the Chiefs, uh, had a chance to catch up with Mike Holmgren. You'll hear that conversation between two legends uh, before the game on Sunday. And by the way, if you're in the car, if you're stuck in the car on Sunday, Kevin Harlan told me last week that 28 million people tuned into the radio broadcast last year. 
which is amazing. That that's that the amount amazing. of people whose kids are playing soccer on Super Bowl Sunday, yes. going to get pizza, making a beer run, whatever. If you're stuck in the car, you're stuck in the office, or if you're in a place where you have no TV, uh, I have been informed by Rich Moore that the iHeart app will be streaming the Super Bowl broadcast on Sunday, starting at eleven o'clock. Oh, How cool is that? Let's go. All right, so you got that going for you. Pre-game starting eleven, kickoff at like three thirty-six and twenty-five seconds or mm, whatever. Correct. Do, do we know what time kickoff is on Sunday? Well, you just said it's always some weird random time. Are you going to time the win just right? So, uh, Chiefs and uh, and the uh, Niners on Sunday. We're all rooting for Kansas City, but you do have here in studio with us, Jackson Phelps, the president of the He-Man Brock Purdy Haters Club, <laughs> Richard Alfane. <laughs> To my left. And you need to make a call right now, big boy. Yeah. What side of this game are you on, man? What side of the game? What side of the game? Are you on the Brock Purdy is only there because of everything around him in San Francisco team? Or are you on the, hey, man, you don't go and lead the league in QBR if you're not a great quarterback. It's not all about what's happening around him. What do you... uh where do you fall in on in this conversation? I, in between. I wouldn't call him. I'm, I'm not oh, going to call him great, and I'm not going to call him serviceable like Dick. I'm going to say he's <laughs> good to very good, okay. but he's not great, and he's not just serviceable. All right, Dick. I find it humorous that just about three months ago, Softy went on a big diatribe mm. on, I don't even remember what player we were talking about, yeah. but he said, why is it... I'm almost directly quoting, why is it that if I'm not <laughs> as fired up about somebody as most people are, then I'm a hater. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, you are And a he hater. just brought that you up. Are. I'm not as fired up as some people are you on Brock hear, Purdy. You should hear him talk about him off the air. It's <laughs> disgusting. I don't try. I met talk. him in the hallway outside yeah. the Coke machine. I've never heard a guy full of more vitriol than him. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But look, man, dude, here's my thing on Brock Purdy. I am rooting hard for Kansas City on Sunday. As we all should be, everyone in this city. All right. If I you're not, go Kansas City on Sunday. I do think Brock Purdy takes way too much crap from people. He leads the league in QBR. He's number two in passer rating. He's number two in yards per attempt. And he's number four in touchdown percentage. Is some of that the people around him? Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, take Travis Kelsey away from Patrick Mahomes. What happens to right. Patrick Mahomes? Right. He's a different quarterback. Every quarterback at some point and some level is a product of the players around them, just like Russell Wilson was in 2013, right? With Marshawn, Doug Baldwin, Zach Miller, Golden Tate, Sidney Rice, and the best defense in the history of the NFL. So I think that you're absolutely correct that part of what Brock Purdy is doing is because of the guys around him. But it's not all about the guys around him. You don't get to number one in the NFL and QBR unless you have some elite skills, okay? And look, I, I get your point about Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo this last year stunk for the Raiders. Only played six games, by the way. Started six games, but he was awful. He was terrible. Okay, he was brutal. And look how good he looked last right. year when Christian McCaffrey was with San Francisco. Brutally bad. But it's only been one guy that's left San Francisco, not three or four guys that have left San Nick Francisco. Nick Mullins looked pretty good when he started okay. for Kyle Shanahan when he was there. Not like this, though. No. And Jimmy Garoppolo never looked like this. And all I'm saying Correct. is that Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's better than Nick Mullins. But tell me a wow moment. Tell me a moment where you're like, it's all about the eye test. Mm -hmm. I see 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. That at some point in time, right? I have a wow moment. Right, right. 
C.J. Stroud, my right. God, I had about 47 wow moments this year in his rookie year. How do you get to number one in QBR and number one in yards per attempt without having some of those moments? And what do those moments look like? Do they look like 70-yard missiles through the air? No, my, my, how about, my biggest... How about, how about him taking off on the ground the biggest in, the, well in the Lion moment, game? The biggest wow moment was exactly what you talked about. That was the, it wasn't even with his arm. The well, biggest wow oh. moment in that game was with his legs when he almost got sacked and was able to score it out for 20 yards. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched every Brock Purdy snap. No, nor right? have I. Nobody here has watched every Brock Purdy snap. I just find it hard to believe that you can put up the numbers he's put up without a few of those moments the, you're talking about. The uh, divisional game against the Green Bay Packers. His touchdown throw to George Kittle, I, that was a wow moment for me. That was a darn good yeah. throw. So let's let's do it this way. Let's let's decide how many quarterbacks could be as successful as okay. Brock Purdy with Kyle yeah. Han- Shanahan's system with all that, those guys that around. But doesn't speak, though, to Brock Purdy. That speaks to well, that Kyle Shanahan. Him, though. That, but, that, speaks that, to, but I think a lot of guys could be successful. Exactly. That's my but, point. Dick, I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of obvious what quarterback would not go play with George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, that offensive line and that defense, and not be better? There's the not there's not many quarterbacks in the NFL that have better talent around them than what Brock Purdy has. You agree with that, right? Yes. They're skill players. Of course. So, right. So everybody would be better. Everybody would be better in that system. And that speaks to the system, not to Brock Purdy. Again, I don't think that you get to number one in QBR. And is he number one or number two in yards per attempt? It, it, it might be number two. I don't think you get to that. He's number two. You don't get, actually, he's number one because number one is uh, Mason Rudolph, and he's only played four games this year. So he's number one in yards per attempt. How do you get to that kind of accuracy? And it's all about the system. I think some of it's about the system, but I think some of what Mahomes is doing is about the system. Well, I think the yards and per the attempt, around the yards per attempt a lot is schemed, and the yards per attempt a lot is run after catch. Let's look at these. Let's look at, uh, did he play well against Detroit? I don't think so. He had 8.6 yards per attempt. Let me ask you, did he play well on Christmas Day against eight, Baltimore? Eight, 8.6 would have been number four in the yeah. NFL. Let me ask you, did he, play, did he play well against Baltimore on Christmas Day? When he had oh, zero oh, touchdowns and four interceptions? Let's go back to what you said. 8.6 yards per attempt would have been number yes, four in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. In proved, the regular season. You proved my point. That's exactly what I'm saying. But you just pissed on it. You didn't <laughs> listen to what I said. Here's what I said. I said, did he look good against Detroit? The answer is no, he didn't. And yet, he still had an 8.6 yards per attempt. He had looked horrible against Baltimore. And yet, he still had 8 yards okay. per attempt. Right. He, the yards per attempt <laughs> is baked into the Kyle Shanahan system with those weapons. So what I'm saying is whether he has a good game or... Or a bad game. Well, he's always around eight maybe, yards per attempt. Maybe you're wrong about the kind of game he had. Then did you're he look say, good against Baltimore? You're saying he had a bad game. Did he have a bad game on Christmas did, against Baltimore? I don't even remember the game. But if you're telling me that he went eight point six yards per attempt, I, I don't. How is that terrible? You watched the game I, I, I on Christmas night. I don't against think he Baltimore. had a bad game against the Lions. To say he had a bad game no, against the Lions, he didn't. But he didn't have a good game Isn't that, against the Lions. Here's here's the other part of this that I think we're also missing. I think that the expectations for this guy are ridiculous. He was the last pick of the draft. This is like a kid as a freshman making the varsity team and starting as a basketball player, and then you go to him and you say, well, that's great, but you're not going to make the NBA. Okay. Well, then don't call him an MVP candidate. He just made the varsity team as a freshman. He just took the Niners to a Super Bowl 
with the number one QBR in the NFL as the as the last pick of the NFL draft. And I'm isn't the, what this guy is doing incredible? And I'm the same person that said had Brock Purdy started against the Eagles last year in the NFC Championship game, they would have won and gone to the Super Bowl and maybe won the Super Bowl. I said that on the air. So he makes a difference then. He makes a difference over Josh Johnson and Christian okay. McCaffrey at quarterback. Right, right. Well, look, I I just think this. I I think again the idea that this guy was the last pick in the draft. And two years later, he leads the league in QBR. He's in the Super Bowl. He's number two in rating. He's putting up numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo never put up in San Francisco. I mean, he Jimmy put up good numbers, but he didn't do this. He, he wasn't ever number one in the league in QBR. Not even close. Actually, his first year in San Francisco, he was like in the 80s, but he played like five games, so whatever. I just think that it's partly about the guys around him. But I think that's the conversation for yeah. every quarterback in the well, NFL. Where would Geno Smith be without Kenny Walker, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Jackson Smith and Jigba? Where would he be with those guys? I really, Where would Geno Smith be if he played with the Texans' uh, skill players okay. that C.J. Stroud had last Where year? Where would Geno Smith be if he played with the Niners' He'd be very players. good. But again, the point is everybody would be better. Would they not? Yes. yes. Every quarterback in the NFL would be better with better players. I didn't have an issue with Brock Purdy at all until the MVP chatter started. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Go look at Patrick Mahomes. Go look at Lamar Jackson. Go look at Josh Allen. And then go look at Brock Purdy. It's like the old Sesame Street. Which of these doesn't belong? Yeah, because you're looking at physical. I mean, what do you mean doesn't belong? Because one guy's not 6'4"? Or weighs 220 pounds? One guy doesn't pass nearly the eye test that the other guys pass. On so what? Just production-wise, not what they look like. What do like. you mean, production? He just led the league in QBR. Well, I think, I think what you mean what by that... What are you that, talking about? You, you look at what's around Josh Allen. He has Stephon Diggs, and that's kind of it. Right. Travis Kelsey yes. from Mahomes, that's kind of it. Agreed. Right. I mean, Brock Purdy has McCaffrey. He has Debo. He has Kittle. No the, the list is much longer If you're that. telling me that Josh Allen and Mahomes are better quarterbacks than Brock Purdy, then you win. I am with you a thousand percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, where is he then? Where does he rank? I I think he's in the second tier, and I think if there's a second tier front, he's right there at the front. I would say, I for me, honestly, I think guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen right now are kind of in a league of their own. Those two That's dudes. Fair. That's fair. And then I think Brock Purdy is right there with that next group. Maybe Lamar's in front of him mm-hmm. by a skosh, but then there's Brock Purdy. And I just think, again, look at Kyle Shanahan. He chose Brock Purdy over Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. He let Jimmy Garoppolo walk. He let Trey Lance go, the number three pick in the draft for this guy. So if we agree that he's a second-tier guy and there's only two guys in Tier 1, isn't that good enough? I mean, you can make an argument he's a top Five or six quarterback in the NFL. I can't make that. What's wrong with that? I, I, I personally that. wouldn't put him in the same tier as Lamar Jackson. That's just me personally. I'd put him in the. Th- top I don't of think the third he's tier, as good but... as Jordan Love. I don't oh, think he's as good as CJ well, Stroud. Well. You put those guys on the. You put those guys on the Niners and tell me they're they, not putting up the numbers uh, that he's. He's not as good as Dak Prescott. Not even love Dak Prescott. Where would you put him? Top ten. Is he top 10? Bottom of the top 10. Then he's a great quarterback if he's top 10. If he's top 10, he's going to get paid, and he should get paid. If he's the number 10 quarterback in the NFL, if he's top third in the National Football League, then you can win a championship with that guy. It isn't that Well, he obviously can win a championship with that guy because he's in the Super Bowl right now. But isn't that what you want? To have a quarterback that you can win a championship with? The question becomes when they have to start paying him, and then they have to say goodbye to guys like Debo and whatever. They won't pay him because they know. Well, they just said goodbye 
to the number three pick in the draft and Jimmy Garoppolo and chose this guy. I think they're closer to paying him than you think. They just picked him over everybody else on that roster. Herbert, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Mm. Jared Goff. Now you're you're in that (laughs) area. (laughs) Top 10. He's top 10. He's top 10. And I think, again, the fact that he was, I don't mean to belittle or, or just berate the point, but the fact that he was the last pick in the draft and in two years became a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. That's pretty ridiculous, So man. I'm not a hater if I call That's him amazing. 10 to 12, right? Am I not? Am I now officially not a hater if I call him the 10th to 12th best quarterback in the NFL? No, I think you're a hater. I think you should just just be the hater. Just play that role. And let's see Let's see what happens on Sunday. Because now you've done something to me that I hate you for. Yeah, you're, you're making me root for this schmuck on Sunday. Well, you know what Andy oh, Reid's doing? Right. He sure ain't saying, well, we can't let Brock Purdy beat us. That's I, for sure. I want to see this guy play well on the Niner defense get torched on Sunday. I got a bad feeling, though. If he plays well, they're going to win the damn game. All right, we're going to break. 542, Andy Reid coming up at about 20 on 93.3 KJRFM. This is your home for the Huskies, the Kraken, the NHL playoffs, and Super Bowl 58. Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. Now back to Softy and Dick. By the way, you know what's uh, you know what's kind of gone quiet a little bit? Well, crickets out there mm. is the uh, Seahawks offensive coordinator rumor mill. Crickets, nothing. The Doesn't last that... the last we heard is the Giants blocked the Seahawks from talking to yeah. Mike Kafka. That's the last thing we heard, right? Tanner Angstrom, who's the passing game coordinator for the Lions, has got his name out there. And Ryan Grubbs, there's nobody else out there. It's not like this. There was a longer list of candidates for head coach than it was for the well, OC. It seems like that would mean something's close, right? When, I, and when, yeah. when everything goes into darkness and double secret silence, that's, right. that's usually that's right. when something about is about to happen. Well, there's a, uh, there's a theory being floated in Tuscaloosa, Alabama by my buddy Ryan Fowler. All right, you got your deliverance music ready, by the way? There's a theory being floated by my buddy, your pal, everybody's pal, Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa that signing day is tomorrow, right? National letter of intent days tomorrow. And there's a five-star receiver by the name of Ryan Williams who has committed to play football for Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, and he has gone on record, this Williams kid has, on his show saying how much he loves Ryan Grubb. And that Grubb calls him every day. They talk every day. He loves the guy. And the theory is that Ryan Grubb is doing Kalen DeBoer a solid. And if he's going to take off, he's going to wait until after signing day so that Kalen can get this guy locked in before he takes off. But Because then, you remember, coaches or players, I believe, can leave if head coaches take off, but not coordinators. Okay, so he wouldn't be able to... He'd be locked in. in for one year, he'd yes. be locked in. he'd be locked into Alabama. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what Ryan's telling me, all right? Ryan called me up the other night after a couple of gallons of moonshine and just floated this theory to me. He said, now, wait a minute. There's a guy coming in. Ryan Williams loves grub. Is it possible that Ryan's waiting until signing day to take off? I mean, because I'm with you. It's like there's been nothing going on. Nobody rumored, no candidates, nothing out there. And maybe it's possible this is the way McDonald operates, right? Maybe we're getting a glimpse into the future. That when he goes and hires somebody, there's going to be no rumors whatsoever about anybody. Everything's going to be locked in behind closed doors. No leaks, no nothing. That might be the way this guy works. What's this kid's name? This five Ryan star. Williams. Okay, is Ryan. I'm gonna, yes. uh, you, you love this guy. Ryan Williams. I'm going to be Ryan Williams. Okay. You're going to be Ryan Grubb. Right. Right. 
Coach, I've heard a lot about this <laughs> Seahawks thing, and I really, really want to play for you. That's right. I really right. want to play for you. But I'm hearing rumors right. that I'm going to sign with Alabama, and you're going to take off the next day. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, buddy, what, let me stop you right there. Yeah. My plan, my intention is to be your coach next year. Your intention. That's but my what intention. if the Seahawks call you tomorrow and say, here's $5 million to yeah. be our offensive yeah. coordinator? Well, I can never say no to anything, uh, just like I don't want you saying no to anything. But my intention right now is to be your OC. I love you and I want you here. I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah. Right? I mean, are we not? We're not that naive where coaches lie to players no, constantly. Of course not. About what their plans are, about what they're doing. I mean, how many guys? Junior Adams. Junior Adams locked in a bunch of guys and then took off, right? Went to Oregon, for God's sakes. DeBoer wanted him here. He had, he had signed him up. And then he took off and went to play for uh, coach for the Ducks. So this kind of crap happens all the time. I'm not saying it's 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 going to happen, Dick. I'm not saying it's even reality. I'm just saying that as we get closer and closer to tomorrow, I would not be surprised if we saw some activity on Thursday morning after signing day comes and goes. I think Ryan Fowler's theory is fabulous, <laughs> and I hope it's 100% true. <laughs> fabulous for us. Yes. Right? Fabulous for because us. Because we want Ryan Grubb. Do we not want yes, Ryan Grubb do. as the offensive coordinator yes, with the yes. Seahawks? Yes, is everybody cool with that here? Yes. Is everybody cool on the text line? Seahawks fans going to sign off on this? Ryan Grubb is the OC. Never caught a play in the NFL. Does it really matter? I, I think Seahawks fans are so fired up, right? I, I'm actually stunned because... You know my take on Seahawks fans at times. They have a tendency to be a little negative Nelly. And the fact that we hired a 36-year-old head coach that's never coached a football game in his life as a head coach mm -hmm. and that almost unanimously Seahawks Nation is over the moon, right. I find surprising and refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of people are over the moon because that's what Twitter tells them to be, right? Like they see all this analysis and there's yeah. nobody that's criticizing that's the right. adults, which is easy to do. But man... How often is it, guys, where a hire is so universally praised like this and it actually works out? It works out when the guy's established like Mike Holmgren was. Yeah. Then it works out. I kind of. But for a guy that's never coached the game in the NFL and everybody says this guy's going to be a star, is there any party that makes you squeamish about that? It's really similar to Kalen DeBoer coming to Washington. I didn't hear a lot of negatives about Kalen DeBoer at yeah. all. You're right. You're right.